Today, church, we're going to be continuing in our sermon series entitled Emmanuel, means God with us. And I want you to realize, I want you to remember whether you are on the mountaintop, whether you're in the valley right now, whether you're on the, the, the crowded streets, maybe you're in the, in the empty desert. Father, I, I mean, I want you to know that in our hope, even in our waiting, we are never alone. That God is always with us, church. He's always with us. And on this Christmas week here, as we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, I want you to continue to remember who he is and what he's doing. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says this, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Church, there's a theological belief that, that we have as Christians. It, it's, it's right at the very heart of who we are as Christians. And there's a word called incarnation. And you might say, what's that? Well, I want to read to you in Matthew chapter 1. I want to start at verse 18. This can kind of help you along. It says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place... While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. You are name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. The virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Church, that word incarnation, I want you to realize it, it means the presence of God who is with us, the God who will never leave us nor forsake us. We're talking about the indwelling, the never-ending presence of God, God being with us. I looked up this word, incarnation, on Wikipedia. For those of you who maybe don't know what that is, that means you probably still have like 27 volumes of the encyclopedia at your house. But Wikipedia is basically encyclopedia online. And it says this when you look up incarnation. In Christian theology, the doctrine of the incarnation holds that Jesus, the preexistent divine logos, the second hypothesis, I can't even say that word, of the Trinity. God the Son and the Son of the Father, taking on human form and human nature, was made flesh, conceived in the womb by Mary, the Theotokos. The doctrine entails that Jesus Christ is fully God, fully human, two natures joined in hypostatic union. That makes it clear, doesn't it, church? <laughs> I didn't understand half of that when I read it, I'll be honest with you. But to make it simpler, in John chapter 1, Verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on in verse 14 to say this, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So church, the incarnation was when God the Spirit entered into the world in the flesh of Jesus Christ. He was all man and all God at the same time. 
So sometimes these things are difficult to grasp. I remember sitting in church just as a little kid trying to, to grasp all this stuff, you know, whether it be the Trinity and, and Jesus came and he was God and yet he was baby Jesus, all these kind of things. It was very hard for me. And so how Jesus came down to earth, how he was God in the flesh and how all this happened. And, and church, I told you guys a long time ago when I became the minister here at the church, my goal was when I preach, if you are 10 years old, you get it. If you are 110 years old, you get it. And so what I want to do today is we're going to take this story and we're going to really bring it down a level where all of us can get it. But at first, what we want to do is we want to share with you up on the screen a child's perspective of Jesus coming to this earth. So if you'll turn your attention to the screen, we want to show you a quick video. Mary, she was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, what? I can't, I can't say it good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. I, you're going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager, and I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. <laughs> I don't know. A camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. They tried to go to a hotel and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms, literally no rooms. So Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple. And then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angels said, a new baby is getting born, who is king of the Jews. The angel were singing. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, to have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold ring and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. 
I love you and you're the best baby I've ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. So church, that's a child's perspective of what happened as we're celebrating this week Christ's birth, but I want you to think of something for a moment. I want you to think about how you can simply explain this. You know, as I was raising my boys, when something was going to happen, I would always kind of sit them down like, all right, here's how it's going to be. It's going to happen like this, and then here's what will happen next. And, you know, all the unknowns, trying to explain to them and, and walk things through with them exactly how it's going to go, whatever the situation was that was coming up. And so today what I want to do is I want to kind of make this very simple. It's different than what we usually do here. But I, I want you to imagine just for a moment that God the Father is talking to his son Jesus. Now I want to make this very clear. This is not in the scripture, okay? So don't you say that I'm a heretic and all these kind of things. But what I want to do is I want to take the exact situations that the Bible tells us, and I want you just to imagine that God the Father having a conversation with Jesus the Son right before Jesus came to earth. I'm talking about the love of the Father explaining to his Son what's going to happen on this earth as Jesus fulfills the mission and what it would actually cost him. So to be really clear, church, this conversation didn't happen, but I want you to imagine. I want you to use what is very consistent with what the Bible says and what happened. So here's God talking to his son, Jesus. He says, Jesus, my son, I'm going to send you to earth to fulfill my perfect will, to be a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And son, you might ask me, how will this start? So he says to his son, Jesus, God said, Jesus, I've chosen for you the woman who will be your mother. You're going to love her because she's awesome. She's absolutely amazing. She's a teenage girl who is completely devoted to our will, and her name is Mary. And Jesus, she loves us so much. She's pure in every way, not like those other girls. She's the real deal. She is pure, she's a virgin, and she's going to be an amazing mom for you on the earth. And I've also chosen for you an, an earthly dad. I am your heavenly father, but you are now going to have an earthly father. And his name is Joseph. And Jesus, he's a good man. He's a very good man. But to be really honest, Mary's going to get way more of the attention in this. Joseph will be lucky to, to even have his name mentioned, but he's a good guy, and he's going to be a great stepdad to you. Jesus, you're going to be born of a virgin. You will spend nine months in Mary's womb. And before she pushes you out into that cold, cruel world, I want you to know what's going to happen. The reason that you have to be born of a virgin is that you will not have an earthly father to help you be conceived. You'll be conceived by my spirit. Therefore, you will not inherit the sin nature of an earthly father, but you will still be born of a woman. And with that being said, Jesus, you are all man. But because I'm your real father, you will also be all divine. 
You are man and you are God. And it has to be done this way, says the Father to Jesus. And Jesus says, yes, of course, I understand. Now, when you're born, Jesus, it's going to be in a very common place. Most of the people will expect you to be born in a palace because you are the Son of God. And I imagine just in my brain of God saying, I've selected a very nice cave for you with some farm animals in it. And just picture Jesus saying, you know, I get it. We're, we're going to let everybody know that I haven't come just for the rich. I have not just come for the powerful, but I have come for the common and I have come for the ordinary. And God says to Jesus, the son, he said, so now when you are born, Jesus, when you are born from day one, every demon in hell is going to hate you. For your whole life, they will be coming after you. They, they will constantly be trying to destroy you. And the first time, Jesus, that you will see this will be when King Herod will issue the command that all the little boys under the age of two will be murdered because he's trying to find you. Your family will escape to Egypt, and if you don't get there, your life will be endangered. And just imagine, church, imagine God going on to him saying, Jesus, you know, you're going to have supernatural power. You will have a supernatural power, and when your mom and dad, when they try to give you a bath, and if you don't want to take a bath, you will have the power to part that bath water <laughs> and sit on the bottom of the tub. But Jesus, you take the bath. When your earthly parents want to feed you broccoli and you don't want broccoli, you have the power to change it to chocolate cake. But Jesus, just eat the broccoli. When you go to school, you'll be so smart. You'll have perfect attendance. The teachers will love you, but all the students, they're going to be jealous of you and they will hate you. But Jesus, when you grow up, I chose for you to be a carpenter, just like your earthly father, Jesus. Your father, Joseph, does a fine job. I want you to know, Jesus, you're not going to make a lot of money, but you will find fulfillment in it. Jesus, I want you to know that you will be good at it, but the people in your hometown, they will not respect you. They will not show you honor, but you will work with your hands creating things. Because that is what we are. We're creative. And your parents, they have no idea that the very wood that you use to make and create things that one day they will use to form a cross on which you will die. And then church, I can just picture God the Father saying, Jesus, use your power wisely. You'll be able to speak, and your very voice will change things. Your first miracle that I have chosen for you will be to change water into wine at a wedding. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus would say, well, why would I do that? I picture God smiling down and saying, because we will have Christians debating for years, is it real wine or non-alcoholic wine? And God the Father says, Jesus, you're going to do some real miracles. 
You are going to open blind eyes. You will heal deaf ears. You will raise the dead. And they will still hate you. They will call you a liar. They will call you a lunatic. They will call you a crazy person. They will say that you are just drunk. You don't know what you're talking about. They would say that you are my enemy, Jesus. But Jesus, I want you to just keep on loving them. Jesus, I want you to show them who we are. Jesus, I want you to show them my love. I want you to show them the love of the Father. But Jesus, while you're there, I want you to reach out. I want you to reach out and befriend those who are prostitutes. I want you to reach out and befriend those who are fornicators. I want you to befriend those who are lepers, those who are tax collectors. Jesus, I want you to love on all those that religion rejects. The more that you love, though, the more they'll hate you. But Jesus, just keep on loving. This is exactly why you're going. Jesus, I want you to remember, you're going to show them who I am. To show them my heart, to show them my love. Remember, Jesus, the devil is going to attack you. At every turn, the devil will be there to attack you. At one point, after you've been seeking me for 40 days and fasting, the devil is going to come after you. He will see that you are weak and weary with hunger. And when he does, I want you to fight back. I want you to fight back with the living word of God. Whenever the devil says to you, are you hungry? If you are, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus, here's the verse I want you to use. Devil, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I picture God saying to Jesus again, he says, okay, Jesus, what if the devil tells you to throw yourself off a mountain and to test me to see if I will send angels to protect you? Jesus responds, I will tell him, thou shalt not put the Lord, your God, to the test. What if the devil throws a big one at you, Jesus, and, and says, I will give you all the riches of the world, and all you have to do is worship me? I picture Jesus saying, I would tell him to get away from me. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Church, imagine for a moment God saying, Jesus, you're going to have some friends. I'm going to supply you with some friends. In fact, I will give you 12 men. And I want you to invest in them. I want you to love on them. They will be called your disciples. And you're going to give them your very best. And they're going to love you back. And they will be loyal to you until they're not. Peter, one of them, he is the boldest and he is the loudest. He would tell you, I will always be there for you, Jesus. If everyone denies you, Christ, I never will. And in front of a little girl, he would act like he never knew who you were. 
He will also do it a second time, and he will do it again a third time because he would be just too afraid to stand by you, and that one's really going to hurt. When you are serving what will be known as the Last Supper, you will break bread. You will hand out wine that is going to represent what will happen to your body. Your blood's going to be spilled, and you will share that with one of your closest, a man named Judas, and hours after that, he will sell you out for a few coins. He will hand you over to your enemies, and he will betray you with a kiss on your cheek, but you keep loving them, Jesus. It's going to be bad, but son, I promise you it's going to get worse. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you will see ahead to what's coming. You'll be so overwhelmed that you're going to ask me, Father, is there any other way? And I will tell you then what I'm telling you now, you know that there's not. This must be done, and you must go to the cross. You will look up with, at me with all the love and obedience in your heart, and you will say, okay, Father, your will be done. Not mine, but yours. But because of the pain of what you know is coming, you will literally sweat tears in agony. They will come and arrest you. They will beat you. And they will hurt you like no man has ever been hurt before. You will not even be recognizable as a human being. They will whip you again and again on your back, 39 lashes, until you are ripped open and you are crying out in agony. They will throw you down on an instrument of torture known as the cross. They will stretch out your right arm and they will drive a stake through you. And Jesus, you're going to scream in agony because you are a man and you will feel that real pain. Then when you think if it can't get any worse, they're going to drive a stake right through your feet. They will strip you naked to humiliate you and they will hang you on a cross. The very people that you are trying to love will come by you and they will mock you. They will spit in your face and they will say, Hail, King of the Jews. They will say, You saved many other people, so why don't you save yourself? And the very people, Jesus, that we created will mock us, the Creator. And because of who you are and because of what you know, you will look up to heaven and you will say, Father, have mercy on them, for they know not what they do. And then, Jesus, at this moment, you must stay on task. You have to see it through. At any moment, you could call on legions of angels to wipe them all out, but don't do that. You keep showing them my love. I will need you to press on to the finish, and when you do complete everything that has been prophesied for centuries, then and only then can you declare, Jesus, it's finished. Then you climb up to heaven, and you give me your spirit, and every step of the way, through this whole ordeal, Jesus, I will be with you until you have to become sin. To take away the sins of the world and to die for everyone else's sins. 
you will have to be that innocent sacrifice. And when you die, you will be buried in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, Jesus, when the women come to check on things, a stone will be rolled up and you'll be raised from the dead. We will fulfill the perfect and final sacrifice, my son, for the forgiveness of sins because, Jesus, we love them so much. And Jesus says, I will do that. And church, just imagine for one moment the Holy Spirit speaks up and says, everyone forgets about me. Jesus, please tell them who I am. Tell them that I will be with them. And church, I love what it says in John chapter 14, 15 through 19, and it says this. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In church, I want to remind you this morning what it says back in Matthew chapter 1. Verse 23, it says, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This morning as I ask the praise team to come up here, I want you to realize something. As I shared to you just a, an imagination of a conversation between our heavenly father and the son Jesus Christ, of the reason that he came to this earth. And in church, during Christmas, we think so much about gifts and, and lights and, and presents and family. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but what I want to tell you is this. Do you realize how much care and how much thought God put into this gift for you? We fuss and we fret about presents and wanting to buy the most perfect gift for our loved ones, don't we? And most of the times we miss the mark on it anyways. But you realize that your heavenly father thought of you specifically when he sent his son Jesus Christ to be born on this earth. He had in mind your future. He had in mind a sacrifice of his son and what is really wild to me is I've got boys I can't imagine giving one of the three up for anything, especially not you. <laughs> but your heavenly father loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. And the Bible tells us, and whosoever shall believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Church, do you realize when we say that word Emmanuel, it means God with us. Do you realize that he never will leave you? Do you realize he will never forsake you? That he is always with you? That his spirit dwells inside of you? Church, when you are lost, 
He will be your guide. When you are hurting, He is your comforter. When you are afraid, He will bring you peace. When you are sick, He will be your healer. When you are weak, He will be your strength. When you are dead and you are lost in your sins, church, hear me out. He's your Savior. And so this morning, I want you to know he is Emmanuel, which is God with us. He came to save those who are lost in their sins. And some of you today, you're sitting here in church and some of you, you need, you need prayer today. I mean, you're going through a difficult season. Maybe you've lost some loved ones. Maybe this morning you're sitting here and you feel completely all alone. You are surrounded by 250 people, but yet you feel like you are the only one. Maybe this morning you're sitting here in church and you have just been beat down so bad by this world, maybe even by the church itself. But I want you to know that he is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And some of you, you're here today You're like, I go to church and I believe in God. That's good. But you know what? Just believing in him isn't going to cut it. You have to accept him. I'm talking about you've got to give your life to him. You've got to know him personally. It can't just be, I know who he is. You've got to say, I know him intimately. I know him very well. So today I want you to know, church, If you are living your life outside of Jesus Christ, I want you to know today is the day that you can receive the greatest gift of all time. I can remember far back into my childhood, many Christmases and some amazing gifts that I got from my parents, but not one of them can even come close to the gift of eternal life, to the gift of salvation that Jesus wants to give you all the gift of God's love through his son, Jesus Christ. So maybe this morning there's somebody here you need to recognize his grace. Maybe this morning you need to recognize his forgiveness. Maybe this morning you need to recognize more than anything his forgiveness. And if that is for you this morning, I want to encourage you to come forward. I want to encourage you to come down that aisle. Maybe you feel God really pulling on your heart and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. You come down front. We have people that will pray with you. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. You don't have to know it all. All you have to do is know that you no longer want to live your life outside of Christ. You no longer want to wonder what is going to happen when you take your last breath on this earth. You come down front and we will pray with you and for the rest of you, church. If you felt that this morning when I read to you, I want to remind you what Jesus himself spoke to us in Matthew chapter 28. He said this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Church, that is our job. 
and maybe we're focusing on other things instead of realizing there's something way more important. So how about it, church? Are you into this the whole way? Or is Christmas just about a guy with a big belly or presents or lights? I hope and pray that it's so much more for you today. Let's stand together and let's sing, church, but I want to encourage you to respond this morning.